Alright y'all, what is going on? This is your man L. Jamal coming through with another edition of Never Out of Bounds. Of course, this is the place where you can say what you want as long as you got them facts. Uh, tonight, we are going to be getting into my divisional round preview of the NFL playoffs. Uh, we're going to be breaking down both of the games tomorrow. We're also going to be breaking down Sunday, both of Sunday's games. And then after we get through that, we're going to be breaking down a couple, uh, just a little bit of uh, some news headlines from the league and... Uh, yeah, we're going to call it a wrap, uh, keep it really short and simple. Then we're going to get back into it uh, maybe tomorrow night, uh, maybe even Sunday morning. But uh, without further ado, let's just go ahead and get right into it. Uh, this is a late start for me, but uh, we sorry, sorry, tomorrow first. Uh, the first matchup we're going to have is the Bengals facing up against the Titans in Tennessee. And uh, the biggest thing in this game is, of course, Derrick Henry's availability. Of course, he's one of the uh, leading rushers in the league, despite him being out for so long. Now, apparently he had this beastly practice and everybody's shaking in their boots. Um, but again, we don't know, you know, just how ready he is for gameplay. And um, we don't even know for that matter, just as the Titans as a whole, since they've had a whole week off. Uh, do they come in there energized? Do they come in there a little bit rusty? I have the same questions going with the Packers as well. Both teams coming in, coming in, of course, uh, with that playoff bye. So it's going to be interesting to see how hot the Titans start. Uh, do they even start off flat? And uh, kind of the tail of the tape between both teams, uh, they kind of uh, opposite mirror each other offense, offensively, meaning that uh, the Bengals are a better passing team, uh, but they are not that great of a rushing team. They rank around they rank around in the 20s. Now, the opposite can be said, of course, for the Titans, who are top by the top 10 rushing team. And uh, this year... You know, Tannehill has regressed to some regressed to some extent, and the Titans finished in the 20s in terms of their passing. So, um, here this game is a little bit, in my opinion, a little bit hard to call because, again, you are you know King Henry, as people love to call him, is going to be coming back. However, I don't know you know just how effective he is going to be coming off an of injury. Injury, excuse me, but. I guess if anybody's going to be a beast, if anybody's going to John Henry this thing, this machine that is in the NFL, it has to be this guy, right? Just coming back from everything. He seems to be well bit, built for something like this happening to him and then him coming back to be just as strong. Uh, so we'll have to wait and see. Uh, but I, you know, with that being said, I do think this gives the Titans just that little extra advantage. I don't see the Bengals running the ball that effectively to keep the Bengals off the I'm sorry, keep the Titans off the field. And I mean, how many how many, you know, plays can the Bengals make when they are forced to be somewhat one dimensional with Joe Burrow? Now I know he's a great quarterback. Well he's developing into a what could be a great quarterback. Had a really good season, had a really good first game against the playoffs. But I, I mean, I, I, it's obvious that the Raiders aren't necessarily the Titans defensively. So I think that's going to be a different matchup. They're a different monster altogether. And then this time they're going to be on the road. You know, I'm going to take the Titans in this one. I think it's going to be closer than what people, you know, might think. And the Bengals might be able to give them, give them a run for their money. And the reason why I'm going to go with the Titans in this one, because again, I want to say this one is almost too uh, too close to call, 
But I want to. I also want to say that about the Niners and the Packers matchup, and I just can't leave y'all with two games that I'm just like ah, leave it up in the air. At least I'll give you something and ride with something. So I'm gonna ride with the Titans in this one. I just feel like Derrick Henry just may be the extra factor the Titans need right now, uh, particularly to keep that their offense, of course, balanced. And you know how I've been preaching balance throughout my last two uh, installments: balance, be able to run the ball, pass the ball, both of that, and even maybe even score special teams. You know what I mean everything uh so again like i said i got the titans in this one slim margin and of course the Bengals make it interesting but i still think uh the titans pull this one out moving on we got the packers facing off against the niners of course the big headline uh well you know aaron Rodgers, he likes to make himself a headline you know of course he's talking about uh, sports writers not voting him uh, as MVP. He's talking about Biden and all this, you know, all in the news for other stuff. I just hope he's ready for football. Um, you know, like I said, you know, I question. I have the same question kind of with you know the Titans as well coming off that bye week. How quick are they going to be able to score and how quick are they going to be active defensively? You know, pressuring. You know quarterback uh stopping the run just how you know just how quick are the, uh, is this team going to be able to uh to be able you know to to react now uh my biggest thing with this team uh, with both well this matchup in general is both of these teams have some really quality players coming back from injury or uh, covid or what have you and um it's it's um uh, I think it's it's very interesting because, of course, uh, we have uh, Nick Bosa clearing concussion protocol for the Niners. He will be ready tomorrow. And we also got Fred Warner. Uh, gonna He's going to be available uh, for the Niners. And, of course, Jimmy G. He still will be somewhat bothered, I guess, by, you know, his shoulder and his thumb. But he's going to be ready enough to play. As for the Packers, they'll be bringing back their pass rushers, Darius Smith, and also Whitney Merciless. So they got an extra, they got a, you know, uh, you know, some added depth in that department as well. So you know, it just comes, it just, you know, the question is who's, you know, uh, which player, which players returning back are going to have the biggest impact. That's going to be a good question to ask. And we also have the uh, the biggest matchup here. The key matchup here is going to be the Niners running backs versus, versus the Packers front seven. Now, the Packers rank 11th in uh, in terms of uh, stopping the run, in, but they do give up big plays, and they do allow 4.7 yards per carry, which is just 30th in the league. And they are also 18th in run stop win percentage. Sorry, in the once the run stop win rate, and they just finished it at 30%. Now, what I mean by that in layman's terms is 30% of the time they stop uh, they stop the run uh, on any given play. So there's opportunities to make things happen there. You can sustain drives there. I think what it comes down to with them finishing number well 11th in in the league is because they jump out to early scores on league on teams um, and they're outscoring them to an extent that forces them forces another team just to be able to be you know to you know to be in you know passing mode. So you're not gonna be able to you're not gonna be running the ball. You're not gonna make any real plays. Uh, you know running the ball. So. Again, that's what leads to that overall 11th ranking. But again, uh, plays can be made on that side of the ball on this Green Bay team. And as for the the, the Niners, they rank seventh in rushing. They come in here with 127, over 127 yards per game, and they average over 150 yards over the past 10 games. And uh, but for what it's worth. Uh, the Packers would hold San Francisco to just 20, sorry, 61, I think it was about 63 yards on 21 carries in their first matchup. So, 
Um, if anybody if anybody can bottle up the Niners, it seems as though the Packers can can do so. Here's another key stat here. Uh, Jimmy G is very very good in the second half. He has a 104 passer rating, and he's had 8.69 yards per attempt in the second half, uh, and that's compared to a 93.5 rating and as sorry, that's six. Sorry, it's a 8.23 yards per attempt in the second half. And I actually, yeah, yeah, 8.23 yards uh, per attempt in the first half. And um, you know, also the Niners are three and six when he throws a pick. They are undefeated when he doesn't. That's a very, very interesting fact, uh, to say the least. Um, so I think it's going to come down to, you know, does Jimmy, well, how well does Jimmy do under pressure? Uh, because I'm pretty sure both teams will be sending, you know, their best pass rushers. Uh, Jimmy just happens to be hurt coming into this game, so that might be a factor going against him. With that being said, I think we all come to the conclusion that, you know, Jimmy G is, I would say, you know, an above average game manager, meaning he can uh, win you a, a good game if he's not totally getting in his own way um, by, you know, turning the ball over. He's not going to necessarily stretch the ball down the field. Uh, but he can be accurate, and he seems to be accurate in the second half of games and productive then. So if Jimmy G, you know, the well, the, the key for the Niners here is to not turn, any, turn the ball over, particularly through the air. You know, no interceptions for Jimmy G. And, of course, get active in the running game. For, you know, the Packers, it's as easy as stopping this running game and, you know, getting to, you know, possibly getting to, uh, you know, Garoppolo and forcing some sacks, forcing some bad plays. What is more likely to happen, and that will determine, you know, who I see in this game or who I favor. Uh, like I said, I originally had this game a little bit up in the air. Um, I just, mm, I just see that injury coming back to bite, you know, and hamper Garoppolo just a little bit. And I think the Niners will have to make some plays in the air to possibly win this game, and that might go against him, particularly late. I don't think he can outdo Aaron Rodgers. So I do have to give the nod to the Packers, but I do think the Niners can steal it from them and overall just give them a run for their money regardless, just like in the first matchup with the Bengals and the Titans. So do not sleep on the Niners. I know a lot of people have. I know a lot of people are trying to do this in this matchup as well. But you got to remember, uh, Aaron Rodgers hasn't beaten this team in the playoffs. And I almost still, I mean, I feel like I would when I'm talking about Georgia and Bama. You know, I've, for so many times I've seen the Georgia and the Georgia-Bama matchup and I just automatically go with Georgia. Now, by seeing this well, this recent national championship game and seeing Georgia beat that ass for the first time in a long time, um, when it really count, when it really mattered, I can now go into that matchup saying, mm, I think that one's up in the air or this year I might even root, you know, this coming season I might even, you know, be favoring Georgia. So until I see the Packers, well, A-Rod, uh, beat the Niners in the playoffs, you know, I I take that back. I gotta go with the Niners. With that being said, what I what I just being you know what I just said, uh, I gotta go with the Niners. And I you know y'all know me, I'm not a fan, but you know what, 
until I see the Packers do it against this team in this in this circumstance, I I can't I can't root for them. I can't well I can't say that I can't give them the benefit of the doubt. Uh, let's move on to Sunday. We have the Rams facing the, up against the Buccaneers. I think one of the biggest matchups of the weekend in, in totality. Um, and the biggest matchup here is going to be within the trenches. Tampa Bay's O-line versus the Rams' defensive line. Uh, the Bucks have the number two rated offensive line according to Pro Football Focus, only allowing 23 sacks. Uh, the Rams' defense, particularly headed by uh, Aaron Donald, Leonard Floyd, and of course, Von Miller, who they got in the middle of the season, they ranked third in sacks with 50. Uh, they forced two last vi- uh, weekend versus Arizona, and their overall performance would also f- uh, help the team force 19 interceptions, which also was near the top in the league at, at number three. For Tampa Bay, they will be missing their starting offensive tackle, Tristan Wirfs, and also their center, Ryan Jensen. Not a good sign uh, right now. Uh, but I will say this. Don't necessarily sleep on Tampa Bay's defensive line either, though. They are a top defensive unit against the run. Uh, they are third against the one to be exact, only giving up 92 yards per game. But let's like, take a look at this uh, right here. In their last, well, in their first meeting in the season, L.A. would hold the Buccaneers to just 35 rushing yards and a sack. And they also forced three sacks, and uh, they kept... Well, they only allowed Brady to score once. Now, we look at a team now, uh, the Buccaneers now, with, you know, two offensive linemen missing. It might be even more difficult for Brady to do what he might want to do. So, we got to look out for that as well. And we also look at, he doesn't have a Chris Godwin. uh, He doesn't have an Antonio Brown. uh, And he doesn't have, uh, you know, a, a real solid running game to rely upon. Uh, so uh, this, you know, I, you know, I was originally kind of just saying, ah, the Buccaneers just for the sake of, you know, they'll give Brady another one. I just, you know, just kind of Brady bias and, you know, me just kind of being cynical to that. Uh, but I, I really think that there's a good chance the Rams could win and they might be able to win cause convincingly. Uh, if we're able to, I mean, if the Rams are able to, you know, really do some damage on uh, Brady, force some uh, interceptions, some bad passes, uh, maybe even force a fumble on one of their running backs. We're talking about a, a very ugly, uh, what could be a very ugly game potentially. Uh, we also have a matchup here uh, to look out for, uh, of course, Mike Evans. Uh, the best receiver for the Buccaneers facing off against the best corner, of course, for the Rams, uh, Jalen Ramsey. In the last two matchups, Mike Evans has was held to just five catches for 54 yards uh, on Ram- well when defended by Ramsey. Now, he's also averaged eight receptions for 101 yards versus other Ram DBs, but to keep this in mind, he hasn't scored either. So, overall, he struggles against their best defensive back and hasn't scored against them at all. So that's that's something significant to, to really mention here. And, uh, you know, getting to Mike Evans at least with a single matchup is crucial because it would allow, you know, the Rams to just focus up and maybe do some double teams here and there. Uh, and target Gronk and you know because Gronk is going to probably be you know at this state I don't think they're going to be relying on Scotty Miller per se he's going to be probably that third option uh so you know with Gronk gone you know you know you know what I mean like not necessarily a factor uh because they're doubling him or you know they're able to focus more attention to him because you know Jalen Ramsey is doing his job 
uh, you know, that leaves, you know, Brady kind of powerless. He does. He cannot rely on uh, truly anybody else. Maybe Scotty Miller has some type of wonderful godsend game. Uh, he just, you know, puts everybody on notice because nobody was looking at him and he's being, you know, all, you know, uh, Jalen Ramsey is giving all the attention to Mike Evans and you got everybody else focusing on Gronk. Maybe he has somewhat of a, a secret game out of nowhere. I don't I don't know about that. Um so I think honestly, you know, you know, given, you know, just the potency of the Rams defensive line at this moment, and the fact that, you know, the Buccaneers are missing some crucial crucial pieces on that offensive line and you know, we all saw what happened with the Kansas City Chiefs without their offensive line. A couple there, and you're not talking about talking about one starter. We're talking about two starters, and I believe uh, Tristan, you know, he plays a tackle spot. And you know, the thing about it is whether it's the left or the right, and I can't think about it. I can't remember right now whether it's the left or right for him. But you know, he's an anch- as a right or a left tackle, he's an anchor for the offense in different you know in different ways. I believe if he's on the right side. That's the, that's the primary run blocker, and of course, if he's on the left side, that's the blind side tackle. So that's a crucial element. And then, of course, you have Jensen. He's the main communicator with everybody else, and not just, of course, the offensive line, but of course, the quarterback and everybody else. So without the starting center there, that's an issue. Um, you know, and and again, like I said, with the Rams playing so good defensive line wise, I I, I have no choice <laughs> right now to kind of to kind of go with the Rams. Uh, I think, uh, you know, uh, that Evans and, you know, Ramsey matchup could say a lot, um, you know, because again, that might be, you know, Tampa's only real X factor offensively. So that may make that matchup may make a difference, but we have to wait and see. But I got, I got, uh, I got the Rams in this one. You know, I, I, I can't go against L.A. in this one. Uh, but let's move on. Finally, uh, we have an AFC matchup, of course, Bills-Chiefs. Uh, both teams create havoc uh, coming in, or creating havoc coming into this game uh, in terms of, you know, turnovers on defense. Buffalo ranks will rank third in that in that department at the end of the year. Uh, they finished with, third, uh, with 30, and Kansas City will be tied for fourth with 29 so they're relatively close to each other in that department again it's these teams uh well buffalo overall gets you know a lot of respect defensively because they rank higher in in you know over the overall stats uh kansas city doesn't rank as high overall no stats you know of course yards allowed yada 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 uh but again turnovers mean something particularly in this time of the season the Bills are also third in interceptions. They forced 19 in the past and well, over the course of the season. Uh, they would force two in the wild card round as well. And uh, in their first matchup against the Chiefs, Micah, Micah Hyde, their safety, will pick off Patrick Mahomes for pick six. Pick six, excuse me. Uh, as far as the quarterbacks are concerned, they're going to be getting, they're going to be, well, I'm guarantee you, they're going to be uh, getting it ready hot. They're going to get in hot. <laughs> Sorry, they're going to be getting hot early um you know i thought the niners cowboys matchup was going to be a barn burner i was wrong about that but i definitely think this one has to be if if there's going to be a wild finish to a game it is going to be a bunch of points scored it has to be in this game right here uh now uh as far as josh allen is concerned um he averaged 12 over 12 yards and that, sorry, he averaged over 12 yards in attempt 
in that first meeting versus Kansas City. And he would finish that game with 315 yards for the year and also three touchdowns. He would also score on the ground. Speaking of scoring on the ground, uh, Allen himself has 763 rushing yards and also 6.3 yards per carry. Now, um, you know, of course, Mahomes, he's a beast as well. Now, last week versus the Steelers, uh, he would uh, put up 404 passing yards as well as five touchdowns with a 138.2 QBR. So, again, both of these quarterbacks are looking to light up the scoreboard. I don't see why it doesn't happen. You know, both of these defenses kind of give up yards through the air. So, it could happen. Another positive for Kansas City is that Clyde Edwards-Hilaire has been practicing. And he will practicing over the week. And he will be available for Sunday's matchup. So, uh, with all that being said, uh, this is... <laughs> This is the really the game that I'm like, ah, man, iffy about right here. Um, I think really, I mean, it might be one of those games where whoever has it last um, wins. Um, I think, you know, if we look at Buffalo, they've had their running game intact with Devin Singletary. That might go uh, well for them. Um, he scored twice last week. Clyde edwards Hilaire is coming back from injury. So, you know, that's an X factor there. And also, uh, Damian Williams hasn't been cleared to play uh, for uh, for the Chiefs just yet. So, there's a lot. There's uh, certain questions to ask. Uh, but I, I think this game is going to be a shootout, personally. And it's going to come down to who has the ball last. And I don't know necessarily who's going to be who is going to be. It might be based on who's going to get one of those uh, turnovers that they're both known for getting. <laughs> I can tell you that I, I think it might be decided on who gets that turnover and then who gets that final drive based off a of turnover. Yep. That's what I'm gonna that's what I'm gonna uh predict. I don't know. <laughs> um now that we move on we now that we've moved on from that, uh let's get into some quick headlines in the league. Uh first off, uh Nate Hobbs just can't get right, boss. Uh previously he was arrested on a DUI charge, of course, in Vegas. Uh, but once again, he's found himself in some trouble uh, behind the wheel. And uh, this time, he's being cited for going 110 on a Vegas freeway. I mean, of course, we all know that another one of our players, Henry Ruggs, he found his way out of the league with, you know, not being able to handle his liquor and deciding to get behind the wheel. I don't know. Um... What's inspiring these players to do this? Um, I think it's quite unfortunate that they just can't seem to understand. Like, just certain things don't work. Um, I don't know if they're going to cut them or not. This is this does seem kind of like a pattern. So I don't know really what to say. And it's cold because another cold, another cold thing I, I ended up finding out was when they arrested him for that DUI, right? The authorities said that they found him pretty much sleeping. He was so drunk, he was sleeping at the wheel on a parking lot exit ramp at a hotel. So it's like, he can't handle his liquor. He's drinking too much. And it seems like he don't give a fuck about it. I mean, it's like, what can what can people do for you if you like that? So um, I don't know what the team does for him at this point. Uh, he was a solid player. If I'm not mistaken, he made a pro ball. 
uh, as a rookie, which is significant, which is good. Like, he's a starter, a solid starter at that. And I know people are going to say, oh, well, it's the city of Vegas, and it's, it's this. And I feel like you have, in many cities, you're going to have access to shit like that. Um, You know, it's just the way that it is. Like, you know, you got San Francisco, you got cities like New York, you got cities like Miami. You can't tell me that players aren't getting into shit in those cities. Uh, some cities have more shit to get into than others, of course. Like Indianapolis is, you know, a low-key town. Uh, it's a little bit boring, I would imagine, you know. So, I mean, again, you know, it's not Las Vegas, but I don't necessarily think it's the city as opposed to the the players themselves um, because there's a lot of other players that aren't getting into shit, and obviously you see the players that are getting caught up, whether it be Ruggs, you know, you see Hobbs now, and then, of course, Damon Arnett. They've done this shit. Multiple, they've done whatever they've done multiple times. So I don't think it's necessarily the city that's doing it to these guys. It's who they're. It's already what their makeup was to begin with. And so you know, when you're given a million dollars, million dollar contract, you're a millionaire now. You're in a position where people are looking to give you even more leeway to some. Well, still give you leeway, and kind of co-enable. It doesn't. It doesn't work out obviously. You know, for a lot of these guys. So I hope Nate gets his stuff together. He definitely has a lot of potential. And it would truly suck to see him throw it all away because he just can't make the right decisions. I mean, some of us, I mean, myself included, have been there. You know, just just throwing things away just because we don't, you know, either we act on the wrong decision. And a lot of times in my life, I refuse to act in any meaningful way. And, you know, I had to face the consequences for that. So waste of potential is really, really suck. It's really, you know, sucky. You know, you don't want to be that guy or that woman for that matter, you know. So hopefully he gets right. Hopefully somebody, you know, he has a solid foundation, a solid support system that kind of sit him down and say, look, you fucking up, you know, um, and it's your future. It's your legacy that you're you you are tarnishing on your own. And uh, we can't I mean, in certain situations, we can't blame outside factors. We can't blame, you know, the institutions around us. Sometimes we can't blame our society or the situations around us. You know, at some point as a human being, got to just step up and say, I, I take fault in that. And maybe I need to stop that in order for, you know, things to change, you know. And um, again, it, it I, I I don't and I'm, and, you know, it's, it's just and it's also it's just, you know, when people just say, oh, well, it's Vegas. I mean, it's it, it's the city. It's, I mean, again, Vegas is not. We look at Vegas and, and we compare it to different cities. The only thing that we have here in Vegas is the gambling aspect. You have clubs, you have whores, you have liquor and drugs in every city. You can go to Houston and get into the same type of trouble. You can play for the Cowboys and get into the same type of trouble. You can play for Atlanta. You know, look at look at uh, you know, you go back to the Super Bowl. Um, their their Super Bowl, not their recent one against the Patriots. We go all the way back to ninety. I think it was ninety nine. And they played against uh, the Broncos. Their best uh, safety, Eugene Robinson, one of the best defense. Well, I would say the best defender on that team. I'm not going to put him on no hyperbole, but I believe he won some type of. I want to say it was a Walter, Walter Payton Man of the Year, some type of uh, award for play, uh, players with you know good morals, values in the league. Right? He gets caught a night before the game with a undercover prostitute. You know, so you can. I mean, in the, in the game itself, I, I believe that Super Bowl was in. Uh, I want to. I don't want to say that was in Atlanta, but you know, it, it, he was in that city where this where the game was hosted in. So, so you can get in, you can get in that type of trouble anywhere.
you know, um, you can get into, you can get a DUI in Seattle. You know, you can get cited for speeding, you know, if a team was still playing in Oakland. That's, I mean, come on, you know, you get cited for speeding anywhere in Los Angeles. You can get cited for all those, you can get caught with all those things. Look at, look at what Antonio Brown was doing when he was playing his last game in New York. He was inviting women to his, his hotel room. You can do that anywhere. So no, I'm not going to blame the city. I'm not going to blame Vegas for this one, but I'm just going to hold the player accountable. And at the end of the day, you know, Mark Mayock and John Gruden, unfortunately, made the decision to, you know, draft this player. Well, I'm not even saying it's like that, but, I mean, he was drafted by these, you know, and, and, you know, Damon Arnett and Henry Ruggs were, you know, products of their drafting. So, you know, this is these are these people's choices. You know, not necessarily the city forcing them or, you know, their influence or anything like that. No, they're just, you know, they needed to, I mean, if you want to, if you wanted this, if you want this to be the reason that they're showing out fine, but, you know, again, self-accountability. Let's move on. We have some uh, hirings and firings going on in the league to talk about. Uh, First things first, we're going to talk about Don Martindale, uh, defensive coordinator, well, former uh, defensive coordinator for the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, this was the first move made by the team since the off uh, in the off season. Uh, they finished the season with six straight L's, and uh, they didn't make the playoffs for the first time since 2017. Now, defensively, the Ravens were finished 25th. Uh, the first time they finished outside the top 10 for the first time uh, since uh, Martindale has been there. And you know, the first thing when I when I thought about when I read this that is, well, they just had one bad year he had one more year left on the contract so i'm not too sure what the what the panic was i mean wow like one bad you gotta go like come on now like you don't press don't press that panic button just yet and you know the offense didn't look that great either and then you finish you kind of look down and you create yeah you know for the first time sorry uh, you also look at this stat here. Yes, the team gave up, uh, I believe it was 364 yards a game. Um, that was a lot, and it was the second most in franchise history. But this team was about without, you know, pretty much the bulk of their starting secondary. Um, they missed out on Marlon Humphrey, Marcus Peters, and uh, also Deshaun Elliott, another safety uh, this whole entire year, uh, pretty much. And uh, the team gave up 74 completions of 20 yards or more, and that was the most in the NFL. But if you look at it, again, look at who I, who I just mentioned who was missing. Uh, you know, Peters and Humphrey are pretty much top 10, or for Humphrey's case, probably top 15 uh, in their positions that they play, respectively. Um, you know, they would also give up, uh, the defense as a whole would also give up 60, uh, sorry, 16 Sorry, they will also give up 16 plays for 40 yards or more, at least completions. Uh, that was good enough for first and then, uh, sorry, that was worse in the NFL as well. Uh, they also had 22 sacks, so that was good enough for 22nd. And, um, you know, but with that being said, you know, this happened one year. I think the offense struggled just as mightily. And also you were out without three crucial starters uh, in your secondary course you know things are bound to happen um could they have could, could they have had a better passing uh, sorry a pass rush yeah 
But again, you have a whole another year to kind of figure it out and see what he can do with that. Like he was, he was down three great players, uh, three good players, and I don't see how you expect him to be solid and to to kind of base that one year on that. I can that's kind of unfair. Um, before this season, he finished first uh, in defense, fourth in defense, and then also seventh. So it's obvious that if given the right tools, he can give you a great defense. So. Uh, I, I really don't see why Baltimore really pressed that panic button and decided to let him go. I I personally don't like the move myself, but it's the way that it is. Moving on, uh, we got Ben McAdoo. He gets hired by the Carolina Panthers uh, to take over at offensive coordinator, replacing Joe Brady, who was fired near the end of the season. I guess they figured, uh, yeah, it might have worked at LSU, but it's not going to work here. Hey, that happens. McAdoo was previously working for the Dallas Cowboys and has been in the league for about 16 seasons. He was also a head coach uh, for the New York Gi- Giants after serving as an offensive coordinator for them under, uh, who was that, um, Tom Coughlin. Uh, now, the Panthers offense ranked 30th overall last season. Uh, in his first season uh, with the New York Giants, uh, like I said, as their offensive coordinator, he took the Giants' offense from 28th in, t- in 2013 to 13th in 2014 and 2014, and by 2015 they finished sixth uh, in overall offense. Now McAdoo will also work well with quarterback Eli Manning, which is also uh, what placed him as a high candidate. In his first season, Eli will finish with a 63.1 completion percentage compared to 57.5 in his previous in that previous season season, excuse me. And he would also finish with 30 30 touchdowns the second most in his career at the time. And in the in the next season in 2015, Manny with uh, Manny would finish with a career best 35 touchdowns and would complete uh, over 62% of his passes. Now the Panthers currently finished. Well, the the Panthers, sorry, the Panthers finished this current season uh, 29th in passing, with just slightly over 190 yards a game. And Sam Donald, of course, and uh, Cam Newton did not, you know, really help out in any meaningful way. Sam Donald will finish 39th, sorry, 29th in passing. Uh, Finishing with a 59.9 completion percentage and just nine touchdowns compared to 15 interceptions. So, um, how I feel about him personally, I don't think he's a good head coach. That's obvious. But I mean, it's obvious he has his um, he has his niche offensively, and uh, he obviously seems to work well with uh, certain quarterbacks. So I think McAdoo has a spot. Um, you know, again. Some coaches are just always suit more suited. Some coaches are just more suited for that coordinator or position coach role, and uh, I think this is uh, somebody that definitely fits that build. So I think it's a smart, uh, smart move. I mean, looking at what he's been able to do, I can see why they would do it. Uh, personally, I think a lot of people will give him hell because of what happened with him in New York. But you know, he's just not a, a whole team manager. He's a good offensive, you know, manager. So that's fine. That's what it is. Everybody, you know, uh, you know, you, you play to your strong suits, and his strong suits are offense. So I think that's smart. Uh, moving on, we got uh, Ken Norton and Andre Curtis of the Seahawks. Uh, they have been let go of their coaching duties. Uh, you know, uh, sorry, this was, oh, sorry. Uh, Norton's firing comes after his fourth season with the team. Uh, he has a lot of uh, experience with Carroll. He was a player 
with Pete Carroll or under Pete Carroll when he was a defensive coordinator with the Niners. He also served as one of his coordinators down at USC. So they have a lot of history together. So I'm like, man, that kind of sucks. But, you know, um, if you want to win a championship, you got to make certain things happen. You know, they might not always, uh, it might be bittersweet, but again, they have to part with this union. Uh, now, this season would end up with mixed results, and the team would give up the fifth most, sorry, fifth most rushing yards uh, on the year with 379 yards per game, uh, but they would only give up just 21, almost 21, but yeah, a little bit over 21 and a half points per game. It says 21.53, uh, you know. Uh, decimals, you know how it is, and that would be slightly near the top ten. So there is something to say about that. Now, when I see a defense, you know, finishing with that in terms of points allowed, struggling in terms of stopping, you know, certain things offensively, uh, well, st- stopping the off the you know the opposing offenses in certain ways. I also we also look at Seattle. We also again. Just like, you know, with the situation with the previous team that we talked about, the Ravens. The Ravens and the uh, Seahawks both had significant problems offensively. So, uh, getting rid of the defensive coordinator, yeah, I mean, cool. Uh, that's a start. I, I mean, for this team, yeah. Baltimore, I don't think that that firing was necessarily needed. Uh, like, again, particularly, again, with a team that struggled offensively. Seattle had struggles offensively as well. And there is questions that they might let go of their offensive coordinator too. But um, but again, you know, I, I think, uh, you know, Seattle's problems, you know, they finished 7-10 and 10 because of both their offense and their defense not being up to par. That's just, that's just what it is. You know, it, I don't, I don't think that they would have made a, made the playoffs if their defense was slightly better. I think they probably would have finished with maybe two more wins with a better defense. I don't think it would have made a difference. They might have finished with a 10-7 and record, but they still probably would have missed the playoffs due to what we saw transpiring. Uh, but you never know because they did play a decent game, a uh, really good game with Seattle. Uh, sorry, with uh, who they played last, uh, their last week, uh, the Cardinals. So, I mean, it, they could have, but I don't know, with L.A. and and how the Cardinals played at least in the beginning, uh, there, there's a good chance that they could have missed the playoffs either way. You know, that offense struggles. Um, that's They they struggled, you know, as well this season. So, I, I, you know, the kind of fire, I mean, again, it's a start, you know, particularly for this team who they're saying is going to re- be rebuilding at some point. It does make sense. But, again, I think that there's also problems on that offense. And, and I wouldn't be surprised if, you do see a change with the offensive coordinator. And, you know, not even just with the staff. You know, you might see, I mean, again, you might see Russell gone. You might see this whole team kind of start to rebuild. I don't I don't know what identity this team will have going into the next season. So we might have to come back to this team uh, just to kind of uh, figure out what's going on. Uh, now, in last season, 2020, uh, Seattle will kind of face this problem again. Uh, they would give up the most passing yards through seven games. Uh, they would give up the most passing yards in league history through seven games. Uh, now, over the, the final seven weeks of that same season, they allowed the fewest points in the league to close out the year. So, you know, they have this this issue where they struggle on one aspect of the ball defensively, whether it be passing or, you know, going against the run. But they seem to, to 
to cinch it all up near the end of the year and become a more of a bend-don't-break defense to, to some extent, although you can score on this team. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, this again, I, I, I repeat, I don't have a problem with this firing per se, but this, this team still has a lot of problems. And, you know, let's not gloss over what these problems are offensively. Uh, they have zero O-line play, really nothing to really speak of there. Uh, they don't well they have a solid receiving core they really lack a tight end though in my opinion and uh, they don't really have a standout running back either so there's some things that they can I mean they can do some things offensively as well and they got to figure out what they want to do at Russell so I mean uh, defense is not this team's biggest concern that's that's my biggest that's my point with this all right, y'all, I'm going to call it a wrap for tonight. It is getting late, uh, but I will be back, like I said, either uh, tomorrow night, which will put us at Saturday or Sunday morning. Uh, just kind of to recap the divisional round of the playoffs, uh, we're going to get into a couple other things. I am finishing up some, well, I'm still uh, in the process of these uh, YouTube projects, so look out for them. I will keep you posted via social media. Um, yeah, some good things have uh, transpired this week, so... Um, well, for those, you know, well, you know, y'all, I'll, I'll let y'all know through social media and all that. But just know it's been a good week for me. Some things have uh, really been shaping up for me in a positive way. Uh, but again, we're going to be back to the grind over the course of the next few days. You know, I got to get all this content out for you guys. So again, uh, just stay uh, on lock with me in terms of this, uh, my social media. I will, like I said, I'll give you guys uh, the skinny on what's going on. Uh, I'm going to leave that link for you in uh, the description here I will try to leave a link for the YouTube channel as well if I can remember and if anybody hasn't told you yet I love you peace out one love and I will highlight you guys very soon good night